Welcome to the Startups and Downs podcast, where we discuss the highs and lows of running a business with a creative mind. In this episode of the Startups and Downs podcast, I, Danielle Reed, am flying solo and chatting with Glenn Fisher, who is an extraordinary copywriter and Amazon bestseller. You'll hear all about him shortly, but I think you're really going to like this episode. We talk about qualifying good ideas and also how you can use formulas in your copywriting to write great stuff that really sells and does well for your business. So let's jump right on in. Welcome to the Startups and Downs podcast, where we discuss the highs and lows of running a business with a creative mind. Glenn Fisher was born in Grimsby in 1981. After a number of years working in the local council, he left to become a copywriter and founded allgoodcopy.com, an award-winning online resource for copywriters and marketers. For over a decade, he's worked with the Agora, a multi-million pound international financial publisher, and in 2018, having helped launch and grow Agora Financial in the UK, he left to write copy on a freelance basis to focus on coaching aspiring copywriters and become a public speaker and author. Busy, busy man. His first book, The Art of Click, is an Amazon bestseller one of my personal favorites, and was shortlisted for the Business Book Awards of 2019. Hi, Glenn. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's breakfast time it is, there. Yeah, it's it's uh, nighttime just, time here. Just after nine o'clock in the morning, we've uh, taken Pablo out for a walk, had a breakfast on the patio, the veranda. I don't know what you call it in Australia. I don't know if there's a different yeah, word. Yeah, veranda. But uh, yeah, Correct. sat there in the sun. We have, it's the very few... The small window of the year when you have a few a few days of sun in in England, uh, so we've got shorts on and you see a lot of uh, wow a lot of white legs coming out. Um, but yeah, what's your uh, what's your temp there at the moment? Oh, I don't know. Um, hot enough to wear shorts, but um, yep. hot enough for the English people to complain saying it's slightly too hot. Uh, which is we spend most sure. of the time <laughs> saying it's like too cold, and then as soon as it's hot, it's like. God, it's it's warm. Like this is too warm. I don't know. I think it, Got it. I don't know actually. I'm really crap at temperature. Ruth usually tells me by looking at she's got a Google phone which has like a little frog that tells the temperature or something and he's like doing stuff every day. Um wow, you know, it sounds you know, great. He's great. He's fantastic. <laughs> we started living our lives by like Frogtastic, what would you say? Um it is frogtastic. It's eighteen degrees. So partly oh. what does that equate to? I don't know. That's um, yeah, that's pretty cold. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> yeah, we're speaking from like Australian terms. It's uh, it's freezing. Well, uh, it's eighteen good. degrees here right now. Oh yeah. Well, there you go. It says partly cloudy in Cleethorpes. So, but yeah, it doesn't get Great. much hotter to be honest. Sure, <laughs> but enough about the weather. Indeed. We're here today to talk about all <laughs> different things. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here. We have chatted before. You nicely sent me a copy of your book, which I love as well, which I'm sure we'll talk all about. But something that I'm really interested in hearing about is one of the formulas that is discussed in the book, all about good ideas, how to identify them, and how to know when a good idea really is one. 
Sure. Yeah, you want to chat yeah, about I it? Want to chat. No, I, I do, I'm going to sit in silence for uh, the remainder of the week. Uh, <laughs> You're just going to sign the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've just been watching the series Atlanta, finally. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, Donald Glover, and they were talking about, like, like ghosting people and everything. I'll just, I'll just sit silently for a Please don't minute. ghost yeah. me. Um, <laughs> no, so, yeah, so this is an idea. It came about when I was, I was challenged to give a talk to a group of marketers and copywriters uh, here in the UK from around the world. And, and you'll see a lot of literature, a lot of people talk about like big ideas uh, in marketing and, and saying like, how do you find these big ideas that people like everything else is kind of small fry and it's all detail. You need to have an underlying good, big, whatever you can, if you want to call it. I think Ogilvy called it big ideas. So it's, it's kind of called that. So I started thinking like, what have we done? What have we seen? All the things that we've um, in, the, in the Agora that we were doing with these long sales letters, stuff in like uh, indirect advertising, what ideas, what makes um, a, a good idea? And it's an impossible question. It's something that we all still spend all of our time trying to figure out uh, and will do like ad infinitum. But I had to do a talk on it. So I had to think about it and be active. And at the time, I was testing myself to see if I could do talks in with three slides. It was this Steve Jobs idea. Oh, wow. Every talk That's in nice. Apple, I think, is rumored was rumored at a time to be just you allowed three slides on your presentation, which forces you to get your thinking down to like minimum stuff. And it, it's a really effective way of doing things. And I'm I'm glad I tried it because it got me it got me a few talks out of it. But this was one particular one about big ideas. And so I started going, right, well, what do I want to say? Went through all these things. And then I boiled it all down to three simple ideas that everything, every good idea I've seen will do these three things. The first one is that it needs to confirm something in people's minds. So the first element is this confirmation. And the reason I think that's an interesting thing is I think a lot of people, when they're looking to sell, when they're looking to write strong copy and and kind of try and convince people to do stuff, they think, oh, I've got to convince them to do something new, to change their thinking. To And, and often that's not the best way of um, getting people to act. Most of the time, if you really want to get people to do something, the idea needs to confirm something they already thought. They might not know they thought it. They might think, oh, no, I, I don't want to do that. If Let's say if you smoke, if you're doing advertising that's trying to change people's minds, they don't think they want to stop, but they do think they should stop. So you're looking to confirm that the idea that they know deep down there's something probably not good about that. So you're looking to mm-hmm. confirm something in people's minds. Every really successful promotion I've seen over the years, uh, and there are obviously exceptions, but most good advertising will confirm something in someone's mind. So the first thing you're looking to do is this does this idea confirm what people might already be thinking? So does that come down to just great market research of yeah. knowing your audience, knowing who you're talking to and knowing their inner yeah, thoughts? Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. It's when it comes to anything with copywriting, and, and I say this so much and so often, but you, I wouldn't write anything, I wouldn't do anything until I fully investigated what the audience, where the audience is at. The, mm. the slimmer you can get your target audience, the better. The fewer people you can talk mm-hmm. to, you'll probably find things get more effective. The natural thing is to try and talk to a wider audience to try and get everybody involved. But I always use um, the TV series, The Wire. Are you familiar with The Wire? I'm not sure if it's... Yeah. Yes. So The mm-hmm. Wire, uh, David Simon, who wrote that, he was a journalist, but he wrote that um, show and that book specifically for 
the cops and the drug dealers. He wrote it so that they would understand it. And most people who watch The Wire, like the first couple of episodes, they go, I didn't quite know what was going on. I didn't understand the language. I didn't understand what they were saying. And that's because he targeted the, the authentic nature of the people that he wanted to do. But then people enjoy watching it. The wider audience enjoy watching it because it's authentic. So always try and target in, understand the audience, and then that will allow you to understand how you can confirm the ideas that they're already thinking and where their head's at. Um, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do you have like particular insights or uh, processes that you do to get to know an audience on a deeper on a deep level? level. Um, d- no, <laughs> is my short answer. I won't lie. I, the way I do it is just watching and reading and observing. And I think that's like, there's no way you can really cheat. And there's no kind of silver bullet for understanding the audience. I think you've just got to as you've got to be curious and you've got to be observant and that's why um, I think it's one of the later questions actually but my advice is if you're trying to get into this game you've just got to read and watch and go to go to shops go to when you're out like I'll always be slightly detached for the first part of an evening even if I'm off out for a drink with friends because I'm kind of watching everybody and I'm trying to figure it out uh, my my partner works in the art department of the local college and they had their end of year art show recently so all the students were exhibiting their work but for me like I looked at the work but half of it was just watching the students and how they reacted and how they were interacting and I was thinking well how do these people talk to each other and that to me I'm always on kind of watching people and I think that's what you've as a copywriter you've got to do that if you want to understand your audience so yeah mm, so, so that's 100%. the first part is, is understand your audience figuring out what ideas they've already got what they're already thinking and try and confirm make sure your idea or the idea that you're kind of analyzing does that confirm something new if it doesn't if it's trying to change behavior that's going to be a whole lot harder it's not to say that you can't that that's not a good idea or a big idea but it's going to be harder you, you need to try and find how can you kind of morph it into something that people know once you know that then you go to the next bit which again relies almost entirely on the research that you're doing but you need to in- make sure that your idea is informing your audience so these three ideas spell out cia i mean i don't know it was pure chance but uh so you've got conf- confirm but then you need to inform them of something it needs to inform the reader uh, or the audience of something new uh, and exciting i saw a um, one of one of the great american copywriters a guy called Mike Palmer, you, you don't really find anything of him online. He works for a big American company called Stansbury. But he writes these big, long letters, and he, he probably wrote the most successful direct response letter of the past decade, something called The End of America, and there's been The End of Australia, The End of the UK, The End of any country you can name, and it's just translated this idea. It was all timed mm-hmm. around what was happening in the financial markets at the time. But Mike Palmer, very, very clever chap, and I can remember seeing him speak once and I stole this idea from him that basically he explained that as a copywriter you've got the hardest job in the world that you need to learn and become an expert on the field that you're talking about and then you've got to find out what even the expert wouldn't know and what you'll see is a lot of ideas a lot of copy is often you can see where the copywriters researched the project so and gone oh I didn't know about that and then they've they've written it and try and base the idea around the thing that they didn't know about, where actually the experts, i.e. the audience, 
already know about all that because they're they're in that world uh, and it's really hard people like yeah. are always amazed when i say what i do and like what you're writing about this week and it's like oh, oil and gas and they're, they're like you don't know anything about oil and gas what you're talking <laughs> about it's like no i've had to research it and understand it and then the next week i'm writing about pet food kind of thing so it's it's a strange job and it's yeah. a challenge when you take it on and it's why i advise people going to niches as soon as they can but you need to find out what new element, what new piece of information is, are you giving that audience? Uh, if it's a big idea is just mm. the same that they've always seen, it's not going to really pop and take off. So I think you need to find something that yeah. informs people. Definitely. And going on that point that you just mentioned about knowing more than the experts know, when I read that in your book, I circled it and posted it on my channels because I thought, excellent. It's so true because we are always forced as copywriters to learn more than the average bear and then learn more again because you (laughs) find things. It's so hard. It's ridiculous. I I mean, I don't know why any of us would do this Mm. when you kind of figure it out and go, Oh, right. Okay. Oh, I'm actually going to have to do some work. That's annoying. I want to be a a lazy writer and just kind of uh, go along. And don't get me wrong, like, you can do the work without it. And like, there are hundreds and thousands of copywriters going along, doing this work and businesses accepting it. But really, if you want to get good and start kind of charging a lot of money and all this kind of stuff, you'll find that it's always when you can go to a client and kind of almost impress them with your knowledge. Um, I meeting one client once Mm. and it was such a niche topic but I'd gone and I'd found a couple of details that were kind of obviously only the expert would know and I dropped those into the conversation and they're like oh my god like how did you know that and it's just it's just an effective thing for like on a business side of, of finding clients and impressing a client but when it comes to actually finding ideas that are going to be effective and sell you need to inform the reader of something new if you're saying the same old thing you it's the same old thing it's gonna it might still work but it's not gonna fly um so i would definitely do that mm. and that's the detail that's that comes back like your you first question about the first thing you've got to look at the audience and when you're trying to find out and inform people of something new you've got to do the research and none of this has got to do with writing it's all about the the pre-work and the, the investigation that you do before that however the third bit of the the formula the cia secret is the a And this is where writing comes into it. So the final thing that a big idea must do, a good idea, it must astound. So this comes down to the way you present the idea. So you've got, you're confirming something in people's minds where they're going, yeah, I thought that might be the case. Then you've informed them and gone, and this is why, this is the new piece of information to the puzzle. And they go, ah, right, okay. But that could still be quite kind of, well, yeah, though I, I get that kind of thing now you've told me so the way you've got to uh, get their attention and this is where copywriting comes in and the actual art of persuasion and getting people's attention you've got to present it in an astounding way and that's uh, the third part of the puzzle that's where all the copy skills come in that's where formulas like the four use and all this kind of stuff can help but you've got to find a new way to present that and that new way of thinking is the is the creative part that's where the creativity comes back like before that that all the research that's where it's kind of no this is a job and you've got to investigate it and work on it but then let your mind loose go crazy and just find a new way to present that idea um what you're talking about and if you can do that then you will usually find that you've you've got your hands on a a good idea something that you can work with something that you can uh, that will probably hit the mark uh, somewhere along the line um 
and that usually, if you if you take any idea, if you're in like a creative meeting and everybody goes, oh, so what's your idea? And they go, oh, it's this. And, it, and this, this works for everything, whether it's direct response, long copy, uh, an advertising campaign on the television or poster campaign or what have you. If you sat there at that early stage and you go, well, my idea is this. You go well. What does that does that confirm something in the re, in the audience's mind? How does it inform them of something new? And in what way is it going to astound them? If you go through those three questions, they're not like the. I, I hate. I'll, I'll explain later on. Actually, it's part of my one of my business downs. But formulas can be so restrictive if you just use them in a formulaic mm-hmm. way. But they're useful as frameworks. Uh, for analyzing stuff and just understanding and kind of guiding your creativity. If you just sit there like this creative person go, mm-hmm. okay, what's happening? And then you're like, oh, blah, 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 and do all this kind of stuff. It's it's cool and it's funny and it's like, oh, look at that crazy guy in the room. He's gone like mad. But you need yeah. you need that guidance <laughs> to help you. So I think having like little guide guideposts to, to get you to there can help. So the CIA secret, that's what I call it. So secret. Do you have any examples no, using no, the secret formula? Prove it. That would be ridiculous. As you were saying that, I interviewed just the other day a chap called Nils Leonard, who's a creative guy in the UK. He's creative director, something called, uh, an agency called Uncommon. And they are famous. I don't think these adverts will have got across to you yet, but in, in the UK, they launched these adverts for BrewDog. So it's, it's a beer company, a craft beer company in the UK. And their whole ethos is their first beer was like punk IPA. It's all punky. It's like alternative. Their, their kind of whole uh, thing has like all the beers have different kind of punky names. And were a bit weird. Uh, they were kind of an alternative brand. And they came to uh, Uncommon and said, oh, we want to do some bigger like banner advertising, TV advertising and what have you. So they ran an ad. Let's try it. Let's see if it works. <laughs> so they launched these adverts and all the advert was, was the word advert in big, bold black lettering on a white background, a can of the beer in the middle. And just, I think it was like either Slayer or Megadeth music over the top. So it's going. And all you can see is advert, the word advert. And it's like this kind of self-meta kind of situation going on where you're like, it's just saying advert, punk IPA, done. Came out and it was like, they launched it in like the advert, in the the first advert in the latest Game of Thrones season or something like that. So there's like millions of people watching this uh, advert. They put it on Piccadilly Circus, just the word advert Mm -hmm. and the punk IPA camp. The first day, everybody was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen, the most amazing advertising. And then the next day, like the backlash started where it's going, this isn't even advertising and all this kind of stuff. So I, I asked <laughs> Nils about it and what his thought, and he was he was like, oh, well, actually, I think it's our best work because they knew it was going to de- be divisive and they knew it was going to be that. So I guess you could call that, whether you, whether you think that's a good piece of advertising or not, there's a big idea there. So let me try and unpick that. Here we go. I know it's sound. That's sure. where I was coming off the back of that. But does it confirm something? So Punk IPA, Brewdog were a, a punky alternative firm. If you drink their beer over Foster's, you're identifying and saying, yeah, I'm a bit cool. I'm a bit weird. I'm a bit alternative. So it's com- that advert by being weird and alternative and being a bit different is confirming to the audience, yes, if you thought you were alternative and weird, so is the advert, so are we you're drinking the right beer kind of thing. Hurrah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something new, 
that's where I'd, this probably falls down a little bit because it's, I guess, if you, well, I guess if you don't know about it, it's informing you that actually there's, there's uh, a product here. It's called Punk IPA. You don't know, uh, like if you're a beer drinker, you might not have come across it. So it is informing. But strictly, is that the best advert will be remembered in 10 years? Probably not. Maybe the reason is because it doesn't quite inform you of anything new. If there was something new, it was for an old beer. So Punk IPA has been around for a while. If they had mm-hmm. put a can of a new beer on there mm-hmm. that current existing uh, drinkers weren't, ava- uh, weren't aware of, maybe that would have been different. Maybe I would have gone out and I'm, I'm not probably going to buy a Punk IPA because I know about it. If I'd seen one of their newer beers and it was called Metal Magic or something, I'd maybe gone, all right, I'll try that next time I'm in the shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so inform bit missing a little bit and then astound obviously it astounds they've found a way nils explained like in the creative room they were just like it kind of started out as a joke and they were like let's run with this uh and it, that for the production of it is very clean very direct very strange uh and that is is astounding you you look at that and you whether you like it or not i can remember watching it with my partner ruth and she was like oh, that's a bit silly kind of thing, and got her attention. And it is an <laughs> advert, and the next day yeah. it was all over the media. Um, whether you're looking to make sales as a reaction or whether you're looking to make uh, publicity, it's certainly got the publicity, so it's effective in that, that respect. So, But it astounded. So, yeah, so it confirmed an idea. It, it, it made it, my audience, their alternative people, they're going to like the fact that we're subverting the advertisement genre a little bit informing not the best way of informing i guess to new customers yes it's telling you about the the product but i think you maybe could have done a, a new product a new can and a different um product there but then astounding yes it was presented in a very astounding yeah. way so that's definitely a good idea it's definitely worked so it, it i guess the the formula stands up with my off the top of my head yeah yeah There's loads I think of so. like, you could go through like direct response <laughs> copy and long copy letters which is my speciality and loads of them confirm to this idea uh, conform to this idea rather but even taking something like uh more indirect advertising like that it just shows that those they can guide you so if they were looking for the next time to to try and find a way to uh, rerun that ad or what have you you could use the cia technique to go oh well we're where could we have improved that piece of advertising? Where could we have improved that idea? Well, we could have informed people of something new, a new product instead. Then we would have maybe doubled down on the, the new business mm. that we made. That example, it does work. Um, that example has reminded me of another marketing example that I saw, which I think also fits into this formula, which was an advertising campaign by the perfume company Chanel. And they it was magazines and they had, instead of pictures of their perfume bottles, they had hand-drawn pictures okay. by little kids. And it was for Mother's Day to promote, obviously, their perfume. So I think that it confirmed an idea that Chanel is like a longstanding brand that's within families or within households. It informed people that it was a heartfelt gift because it was presented in such a way that was quite heartwarming, even though it was just a scribbly picture. And then it was astounding because often you're so used to seeing those pictures of the perfume bottles but this yeah, was in no, a I different way so yes the more you think about it it definitely applies think, yeah. to so yeah. many no, different I, think, sorts. I think it does i think it's useful I, I, do i, I get do. an a plus does, that's twice <laughs> you've, uh, you've remembered things from the book and proved them to work which uh, yeah you can have an a plus <laughs> 
Definitely. <laughs> Great. Well, I love that formula. And obviously, you've got many more tricks up your sleeve. But one thing that I would love to know, not that they're tricks, they're very clever <laughs> strategies. One thing I would love to know is a career high or highlight that you've had sure. in your um, life. It's funny, I always used, used to word, use the word tricks. And then like you kind of go, well, that sounds weird when I say tricks. But I know what you mean. <laughs> Techniques, I think I've been saying. Um, so a career highlight. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about this. Uh, there's obvious ones, like the book obviously is pretty cool. Getting to that stage and like becoming an author was mm. nice. And I can't deny that. Speaking has been a big thing. So like doing uh, talks, I always, I realized I had an ambition to become like a stand-up comedian or something, but I'm just not that funny. But um, by doing the talk, I'm okay. No, I'm funny on, enough. Glenn. Believe yes, me, I'm are. funny enough to do like niche talks on copywriting because you only need about three four jokes to get through that. I wouldn't sure. be able to do an hour stand up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but that and also like personally from a speaking point of view, I, I my body used to break down and like I just couldn't publicly speak. So I've got over that and now I'm doing regular talks and it's mm. and I love it. I really enjoy uh, doing that. So that was really good. Um, but then I yeah. did, the most recent thing in my mind was I got a client um, recently who found me online and found Olga Copy and had read my rambling thoughts and just enjoyed the way I wrote and wanted me to make their business sound like me, essentially. And that was like really, that was the first time I thought, well, that's actually the most authentic, like that's not because I'm a copywriter. That's not because I've gone into picture room or, or anything like that. Mm. This client was like, no, we want you to do that. And then from that, like the agency I was working with enjoyed what I'd done so much that they want me to do it for them kind of thing. And it was this spiraling thing. And it was like, well, that's pretty cool because that's I've not gone out to ask for that. I've not um, I've, I've not sought their business or or what have you. But they've just read my actual mm. writing and gone, yeah, we like the sound of that. And I thought, well, that's it's like a small thing, but it just it encapsulates what's great about being a writer. I guess not necessarily a copywriter, but just being a writer. Someone to to know that it connects. Mm. I do spend a lot of time, and, and all copywriters do, I'm sure, and you, half your life is spent going, am I just speaking into a void? Like, are, are people finding this useful? Are they just <laughs> saying it because I said you were good last week and all this kind of thing? And, and I'm a massive, I've got a massive interest in, like, uh, the create creative anxiety and, like, that kind of thing. This was, was as far as I can tell, unless my mum is paying everyone to, like, contact me and do jobs. I won't rule out, but yeah, it was just a very authentic reassurance of my ability as a writer, and that for me, like, and it's brought me a lot of business and money. So it's like that's a really nice thing. I thought mm. that was really cool. Mm. All the other things are kind of like these tangible. Yeah, I've got this mm. like book. I've got I do these talks on this person, but that was just like a quiet. No one knows that's going on in the background, kind of thing. And I was like, oh, well, that's really nice. And like Ruth was like. That, I showed her the email and she was like, that's really nice. Like the way they've written that and said that was just a nice thing. So that I'll say that was my highlight uh, most recently. That's amazing. Now, so, to darken uh, the mood a little, um, I would like to know also an honest low that you've experienced sure. in business so I was thinking and about what this you've and, learned from. Um, I thought about it and I thought, well, I, I hate like, because I do podcasts and stuff and I interview people, I always want them to be honest. And, and I thought, well, what do I think was a low blah blah and I, I 
the first thing that came into my mind, which I'll tell you about in a minute, was like, is that a low? Is that a business low? Is that what like is useful for people? But then I was like, actually, no, that's what I've, now I look at it. And a lot of times I like doing interviews because it makes you think about these things. But one of, I thought, well, actually, no, because I don't kind of regret anything. Like I'm, I'm very aware that I wouldn't be in this exact situation now if everything that had happened, good and bad, had not got me here. And I'm very happy. I'm in a very nice position. And, and that's lovely. And I always tell people whenever they're down and people come to me for support or anything, I will make that clear. I'm very much of a, I don't know what that is. Uh, I don't know if it's fatalistic or something like that. Yeah, I am a confounder. But yeah. Uh, so anyway, so I, I don't like regret anything. And I thought, well, what is it? And the, weirdly, the first thing that came into my head was I thought uh, over working um, when I was working in the UK, Arm of Agora, and we were kind of publishing a lot of uh, experts in the financial area and everything. And we got this, there was a kind of trend for a certain type of financial investment. And I wrote a letter that was very successful um, and very effective. And we took that letter and we took that model that we had and we went out to other experts and tried to sell their idea along the same lines using this approach. And what they it, sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And I thought when you said um, business low and then I started getting some regrets and I thought, well, what do you regret? And I regret that for some of the people that we worked with, we didn't make them a load of money. Some people did, and that was fantastic. I thought, why, why do I regret that? Why am I disappointed about that? Could I have done more? And I realized that at the time, what I was doing was following a formula um, that had, had had success with a certain type of letter, and then I'd followed the formula and trying to copy that, which is cool. And that's you've got to look at what works and redo that stuff. and and let your winners run and do that kind of thing. Mm. But I realized, and I think it's because I am talk so often now with other people about creativity and the creative process, I realized that why that came to my mind, I think, as a failure and, and as, a, as a low was because I didn't freshly look at that with creative eyes with, with, and look at it and give it its best shot because I was just probably too arrogant. There's like a little bit of arrogance mixed up going oh, I know how to sell this, don't worry, and kind of running with it, rather than sitting down and just pausing and going, right, well, we've got this. We know that works, but how could we improve it? How could we make it better? How could we do this? And I think if you, if I had done that with some other people um, or some of the failing things when I didn't hit the right mark, I think maybe I could have found a unique angle for them that would have been more successful for them. So, and So the lesson ultimately is, I think with every new uh, copywriting job or marketing job or whatever thing, with every new project, you've got to come at it with fresh um, eyes to begin with. Uh, like you've learned what you learned, that's inherent within you. You know how to form these things, but you've got to, rather than just relying fully on formulas, and this is why it's ironic because we started by giving you a kind of formula, use those as frameworks by all means, <laughs> but don't just rely on you because it, if you're not always thinking um originally in in a new way uh, it will put you behind because other people will i pride myself that i will i'll give away ideas i'll give people and people go oh you shouldn't do that shouldn't do that because people will nick them and use them themselves and i think well yeah but then they'll need a new idea and when they come back to me 
the price has doubled kind of thing. So I'm very like give away ideas and always be ahead of the game, thinking of new things. Um, I realized that looking back then at that stage, that little period, I wasn't being original and creative or as original and as creative as I could have been. And that's, that was annoying that look, looking back to me now, I think, well, that's annoying. I don't regret anything because that's, again, it's, it's learned, uh, it's taught me how to value the, the need to have thought and everything. But yeah, so I, so the lesson, the low is, yeah, like not doing my best work, relying on my arrogance and my, um, the formulaic approach. My advice to avoid doing that is always be pushing new ideas test something new against what you know works all of the time. Oh, perfect. Great. Um, and I think that you're not alone in that thinking too. Sometimes I think as copywriters we bang on to something great. You're like, this is great. It yeah. worked. It's good. Everyone liked it. I'm going to do it again. And you think that something great over yeah, here I, is going I, to be something great over there. Story, it's like it's there was not a, always a guy, the case. Bloke, um, so I'll spare his blushes, but he, he got up at a, a, a retreat um, we used to always go to the owner of Agora, like a chateau in France, and you'd sit there and all the kind of international people would be there. And he said, I did this promo and it worked really well. It got like, I don't know, let's say 10,000 new names. And kind of was like, yeah, there you go. I'm the best in the world. I got this thing. And, and rather than going, oh, that's brilliant, <laughs> um, the guy, like the old wise expert said, okay, and what did you test against it? And he went, what do you mean? It got 10,000. It's fantastic. It did well. He went, are you telling me that with your first effort, you did the best ever piece of advertising that ever is? And like immediately you're like, oh, I see where this is going. And yes, you're right. And of course, it's that you get lost in that. Oh, it works. Nice one. But it's that means you've tapped into it. There's no way you just go, oh, I've launched this new chocolate bar today. And everyone goes out and buys it the next day. There's always going to be more people to buy it kind of thing. So it's always <laughs> new ideas. And I realized that I, I had fallen into that without realizing it. I used to tell that story all the time. Yeah, I've done that myself. I'd, I'd gone, all oh, right, yeah, no, I've invented the best way of doing this. I haven't at all. There's always new ways to try new stuff. And obviously your career has been multifaceted. You've been working in all different types of copywriting um, and things. But if you were to give a piece of advice to someone looking for a um, similar career. Yeah, so if you wanted to get into my career, um, which is writing, I guess, well, it's not writing. It's coming up with ideas. Uh, I will always say it's the ideas is the, the most important thing. Uh, and the only way you can come up with ideas is to read. Uh, you just got to read as much as you can. Um, as varied as you can, it doesn't mean you have to go out and read like Moby Dick and War and Peace and all these kind of stuff. You can read uh, Cosmopolitan magazine every month if you want. You can read um, Take a Break or whatever. You can read the news. You can read novels. You can read nonfiction. You can read philosophy. You can read science fiction. It doesn't really matter. What I would advise is to be as varied as possible and always read as many different things as possible. Uh, but you've just got to put stuff in your head when I say read it's kind of reading sounds pretentious but like reading the world kind of thing it's like you're observing and you're looking around so it's fine to sit and watch a television series and binge watch that and not read Moby Dick because you're still learning about things and you're putting information in your head I'm, I'm I have no doubt um I can't remember what it was oh actually um you've come across the play Hamilton um, yeah, so I went to see Hamilton in London, um, and I was watching that, and I was thinking, how will this 
manifest itself in a promo. And then before I'd even had chance to see how that it manifested, I read a, a sales letter from the US and someone had said, um, this is your one shot or something, you've got to take it. And, and it, whatever the thing was, and I thought they've blatantly been to see Hamilton and got that whole idea. And then I yesterday was it was it yesterday? I think I was working on a a piece of copy, and I said it, it's all about. It was like uh, being an insider and everything. And I said you've got to be inside the room when it happens. And I thought there you go, you've got to be in the room when it happens. And literally, that has gone <laughs> consciously into my head, and it has come out in a piece of copy. And someone somewhere is going to have. It's very minor and very tiny things, but someone's going to relate to that when they read it and go, yeah, I've seen Hamilton. And that's going to be a a very minor little tick, but on there, like, I'm with you. And copywriting and and connecting with people is all about getting as many of them as possible, as subconsciously as possible. So the only way you can do that is read, watch things um, Mm. and do that. Other than that, be nice. Be proactive, but not too pushy. Like, I don't, a lot of people are like, hustle, blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't like that too much. If you send me too many emails, I will kind of start putting them down. But if I get, I feel guilty if someone sends me an email and I've not responded to it, and I'm more likely to do that. Whereas if someone then goes, oh, by the way, I sent you this email and sent you this email. And blah, blah, blah. So don't, don't be too pushy, but do be proactive. Go out there, speak to people, uh, be open, be honest, be authentic be liberal with ideas, talk to people. But yeah, other than that, just read stuff is, is my ultimate crap, like rubbish mm. advice. Because it's like, what? what? Like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go read <laughs> in my room and then I'm going to get loads of copywriting clients. But I, it's genuinely like I'll become an ambassador for reading. Uh, that's my future role. Um, I would definitely do that. Because it will inspire you, it will push you to, <laughs> you will bubble up. That's Even good. if you did just sit there and read and do nothing else, you would get so full of ideas that you would walk out into the street, explode, and there'll be a business there going, what is wrong with you? And you go, I've got so many ideas. And they'll go, well, come here and I'll buy, buy your services and get you to do it for me. So, but yeah, just read an awful lot. Um, <laughs> Mm, I really like that. We recently did an episode Mm -hmm. on this podcast about overcoming creative blocks. And one of my tips was to fill up your library because if you're constantly taking out ideas, you need ideas to go back in. So, yeah, watching things, talking to people, reading things, tasting things, going to gigs. Like, like, people would say, oh, yeah, Glenn, he's a higher mm. up guy. He must have all the answers. The last week, I was just sat there and I thought, I need to take some time. Not off, but like I need to take work time to sit and read, and like a few new marketing books out that I've not read, um, mm. but also like just the novel I was reading at the time and the thing. And I was like, no, I've, this isn't. It can't just be in my own time. It deserves. Depends on how people like manage the days, but like it deserves some of your work time. Like however much you get paid for a project some of that payment mm. should be paid to the reading time and the, and the learning new stuff, uh, and it never stops. As soon as you think you've, you're full, you're not. It's leaking out all the time, so just keep reading and keep reading new people, new things, um, not just yeah. famous people. Read all of the new stuff and see what's going on. And finally, one last question for you before <laughs> you get back to your uh, eggs, Benny. I'd love to know what do um, creative minds, minds I read that bring question to your I was business? like, I'm a single person with no people around me. What do you mean? 
And I thought, no, actually, I work with loads of people who um, who are creative. And then I thought, well, what do they bring to me? And without a doubt, the one thing that um, creative people bring to my business and bring to my um, personal space is ideas and by way of inspiration. And that, to me, is the most single important thing you can have uh, in this business. You need ideas. Uh, the, the amount of copy I've produced where the idea has come from a, the the person I've fired it off. So if I've gone there and said, I'm thinking of this, I've got this, I've done this research, this is the person I'm trying to speak to, this is what I'm thinking around. I can't quite get the phrase, I can't get quite the phrasing. That person might ask a question that gets me a different, gets me thinking about it differently, or they might come out with the phrase themselves that I need kind of thing. And it's that creative process. One of the biggest challenges for me mm. was um, when I went freelance, like I think I've been doing about two years now, I went from an office situation where you go out, have a beer, chat, um, always talking to people, to being sat in my front room, well, the back room with the dog walking up and down. Now, he's great and he keeps me occupied, but he's he's not full of ideas technically. Um, that's why a lot of my marketing does involve the dog <laughs> because that's the idea that I'm getting back. I'm just looking at him going, what's your idea? And he's going, I don't know, take a picture of me. So that's, mm-hmm. the, that's why there's so much dog there. But I, I very early on realized that I needed to get out, see people, and I needed to replace that uh, connection straight away because you, you, the collaboration aspect and speaking to creative people just drives you and, and keeps keeps your ideas going and keeps you like inspired meeting clients as much as possible uh, in person and stuff like that so it's just getting for me it's all about um bringing as many ideas to the table um and and in a free way as well i'd always whenever i talk about ideas there's no stupid ideas uh, you can't be uh, wrong with an idea um I, I i grew up playing in bands and so i always cite the the kind of process where you'd go and you'd go with a riff to the practice room and my friend Tom might turn around and go, that's the worst riff I've ever heard in the world. Like, it's just crap. And that, and that, but that was fine. And it was like, okay, well, what about this one then? And because we were friends, because we were a creative team, you just pushed on through and found the better one. It wasn't about making you feel crap about your idea not being good. It was about saying, how can we make this stronger? How can we make this piece of music better? How can we make this idea better? And that's, you've got to, um, when you're working, collaborating with people, you've got to remember that's that's where you're coming from, kind of thing. Uh, but a lot of people, because we're all humans and we're all emotional wrecks, like a natural reaction. If I say that's not a good idea, is for you to just close up and go, "No, I don't want to. I don't want to hear that. That's not good." You're saying it's me. You're saying it's because of who I am, and that's what we do. I do it. If someone like says, "Oh, could you?" Word this sentence differently. I'm like, do you want to die? I'm going to. I'm the expert. But actually, it's all about going. No, actually, well, you've had a reaction to that, so let's make that stronger. But it's just creative. So, what do creative minds bring to my business? Mm. Ideas, and I'm always open to more. Like I encourage people to get in touch with me and email me. I, I have a lot of conversations, um, and like Picasso, I don't want to be like Picasso vampire. Um, kind of situation he, he he was he's reported Picasso which I will say Pablo is named after Ruth will say is named after 
Yeah, well, I say that, but Ruth actually okay. pretty much named okay. him after The Life of Pablo by Kanye West, that album, which he loved. Probably cooler like, than the Got cliche. <laughs> but Pablo Casso, apparently he like absorbed ideas to like in a negative way. Like People always said like you'd feel like your energy was drained when he was with him because he was just bringing ideas in and eating them and then like stuff. I don't like that, but I do like the the idea of um, constantly talking to people, like just throwing ideas out there. Loads of copywriters these days get in touch with me and go, oh, can you have a look at this? Can you see this? And like, it's just firing stuff back and forth. I think that's really helpful. And I think every business should encourage, uh, well, not every business, every copywriter, every person should encourage as much collaboration as possible. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Glenn, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you so much. You've definitely enriched my mind and I'm sure you have our listeners too with all of your magical tips. If people would like to get in touch they with you or find out more me, about what uh, you do, the most traditional method is now allgoodcopy.com uh, is like my weekly <laughs> like most updated website. Uh, otherwise, you can find me on Twitter. I use Twitter a lot, which is uh, at allgoodcopy. Um, or if you want to pretty much exclusively see pictures of my dog and books that I'm reading, uh, you can find me on Instagram, which <laughs> I think is Glenn with two N's dot Fisher. Um, but yeah, if you go on allgoodcopy.com, that like links to everything somewhere. Uh, I'm, I'm everywhere. Like, my Facebook is terrible. Don't follow my, me on Facebook because it's not good. Um, yeah, side <laughs> advice. Don't go there. Stick to like a few minimal social media things. Don't try and do them all at once because I was thinking people will like come to my face and go, this guy knows nothing. But that's that's part of the social media challenge. But uh, yeah, no, <laughs> or just email me at allgoodcopy at gmail.com. Get into it. Perfect. And for more copy tips, Glenn also has a book called The Art of Click, which I have read three times now. I particularly love it. It's great for. Alas, we were hit by a technical difficulty <laughs> and the recording cut off right there. But as I was saying, Glenn's book, The Art of Click, is honestly so great and useful. It's useful for copywriters. It's also useful if you're not a copywriter and you are looking to sell things which involve clicking a button online. And let's be honest, not many businesses these days don't require that as part of their plan and execution of sales so thanks again glenn for stopping by and i hope that you found this episode as fun to listen to as i did to record it thanks so much bye